Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning and welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they are currently serving you right out in the parking lot with curbside pickup. All you do is you order on the Giant Eagle app, roll down the window, and they bring it right out to you. Joined by Dave Molinari here. We're going to talk about hockey, but first I want to throw something else out your way. Um, I was at PNC Park on Thursday. The Pirates were playing a scrimmage. And they pumped in crowd noise. Um, and I got to admit, other than covering <laughs> the Steelers game in Indianapolis where the Colts famously pumped in the fake crowd noise, uh, it, it's different. And I, I, I understand the NHL is going to be trying something like it, aren't they? Have they made up their minds on this yet? Well, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't know if that would be – audible inside the arena or if that would be something that is strictly added to the broadcasts uh you know, the the crowd noise and chants and other other things like that um i could see how that might be even more disconcerting for players that than silence would be um frankly i i think that once players get acclimated to there not being noise in the arena that they'll pretty much take it in stride and they'll, because of the stakes, they'll be focused enough that they won't really miss the crowd noise. But if there is incessant crowd noise, but no crowd, I could see how that, that could be a, a little unsettling for some guys. Yeah. I just, this was, this was weird. They went, the Pirates went two innings without really any noise. And then right around the third inning or so, um, they put it in and it was in, in the middle of an inning. So it was kind of noticeable when they did. And then in about five or 10 minutes or so, it, it really, I didn't pay any, it just seemed normal. I, I don't know how else to put it. Cause it wasn't like, I think when people think of pumping in crowd noise, they're thinking of people freaking out, like when a goal is scored or whatever. And that's, that's at least on the baseball standpoint, that's not what it is. It was more of that, just that general, you know, murmur or buzz, you could hear a clap, you could hear a vendor or something like that. But there wasn't some trigger point, like somebody hits a home run and then there's a whatever. Um, Gary Bettman did say something in his, in his last availability about how they have some kind of tricks or whatever. Wouldn't, hearing it on TV though, wouldn't it just have the same impact though as the glow puck where you wonder like, what, what is this all about? I mean, I know this isn't real. You know, why are you adding this to my experience? I don't know. I have uh, watched a couple of soccer games from Europe that have added crowd noise to the broadcast. And, I mean, you could they, – they don't necessarily show the uh, seating areas all that often. Mm -hmm. uh, but when they do, you're, you're well aware that there isn't a crowd there. But it's the same thing with just kind of the general crowd buzz noise. Um, and – I, I mean, I, I don't find it 
causing a reaction, uh, particularly positive or negative. I, I don't think it's a bad thing to, to try at least. Yeah, I wonder if, if nothing else, if, if uh, the NHL in particular, because it's a tight indoor quarters, you know, surrounded by glass in the rink, might not just use it to mitigate some of the language that gets spoken on the rink. You know what I'm saying? That's one way to drown it out. Oh, that's something I, I wrote something for the site some weeks back about how um, they would have to decide whether they would want to use that as a selling point that you can actually hear what the players are accusing each other of on the ice <laughs> or, or is it something that, uh, that they would want to go out of their way to uh, muffle because uh, things can get a bit colorful out there at times. Well, I, I recall that, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby's first goal when he came back from the concussion against the Islanders, that might've been one of those moments where, on one hand, a lot of people would have enjoyed hearing what Sid had to say as he circled out of the corner there, those two particular words. And then on the other hand, there's a certain session between Brian Trottier and Kevin Stevens and Brian Bellows of the North Stars during the 91 final that might have just been best off keeping exactly where it is. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough call. I guess it depends who their target audience for these games will be. Uh, right. You've covered at least one or two hockey practices in your lifetime. Have you ever taken practice performance and weighed it as anything significant? And could you picture doing that even in this circumstance? Um, in general, no, I, I don't because practice is just that. And a, a goaltender might be focused more on a specific part of his game uh, than he is necessarily on stopping pucks. Um, presumably, every part of his game ultimately is geared towards stopping pucks, but that isn't necessarily the top priority in practice if, if you want to work on some detail of your game. So in general, no. As with you know, most other players, you know, the same thing is true. I, I don't necessarily read a whole lot into, into practices. In this case, practice performances might be a little more significant only because I think there's something of a goaltending competition going on here. Um, I think it's reasonable to assume that if both goaltenders make it through uh, this training camp healthy, that Matt Murray will be the Penguins goalie to start the Montreal series, but he might be on a slightly shorter leash than normal just because Tristan Jari had such a strong season, looks capable of uh, performing well in, uh, in this setting, even though he's never been in it uh, to this point in his career. And it's, and it's not the same setting. You know what I mean? True. No, it's true. <laughs> But he, he has at least shown, as opposed to, with all due respect to Casey DeSmith, I don't think that the Penguins would want to throw him into a playoff series unless it was absolutely necessary. Uh, with Tristan Jari, he's had a strong enough season that I think they could be reasonably confident that, that he would perform well if they called upon him. So I think he would like to reestablish his credentials with the coaching staff during this training camp. And I think Matt Murray would like to uh, establish that the 
the coaches and specifically Mike Sullivan's uh, faith in him is well-placed. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that when they start getting to the point where they're maybe doing, you know, they've got their first scrimmage coming up this weekend. Uh, they do have an exhibition scheduled now against the Flyers later in this month once they're inside the Toronto bubble. And then, of course, they open with the real thing August 1 uh, against the Canadiens. I'm picturing, though, as you say this, and, and of course this is completely impossible, but just for fun, if this were a, a, a regular playoff and you open up with the, the, the sound, the, the deafening roar that you always hear that's so very different before a playoff game, and the goaltender is down there fussing and fidgeting around, you know, before and during the anthems. Now multiply that by only about a thousand for game three in Montreal. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. And the 21,723 people that they fit into that place and the incredible sound that it makes. Um, this is a different world. And I wonder if the coaches won't factor that into it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not going to be like, can he handle the atmosphere of game one? This isn't the atmosphere of game one. This is the atmosphere of the morning skate of a normal game one. True. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I would want my players to be so locked in that after a couple of shifts or a couple of shots, they're not even aware that, 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 yeah. Uh, again, this, you know, these first three games that they'll be playing won't be the first three games of an 82 game regular season. This is, you know, high stakes hockey. And I would expect and certainly demand that my players be focused and on the task at hand and not so much on the surroundings. Um, I really don't know how much of a, a factor uh, positive or negative crowds are in, in the playoffs. So 14 minutes before the Penguins took the ice for their first practice the other day, the email goes out that nine players will be held out, uh, out of, and I quote directly off the release, an abundance of caution. Uh, they knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who might have contracted the virus. Um, and it sends up a, you know, the equivalent of a flare, I guess, you know, uh, if nothing else, even if it isn't, it turns out to not be real. And I wonder, not just now, Dave, but way more so once, once these teams, all 24 of them, get into their respective bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, what would it take for the NHL to do what we saw in Major League Soccer in the past week where they just say, you, you, this team and this team, you're out. Get out of here. What would that take in the National Hockey League? Oh, I, I, I mean, the, the NHL, you know, to be clear, has, has not said anything, has not offered any details about what would uh, cause a, a team to be tossed. Um, you know, with uh, the size of rosters, play, you know, teams do have replacement players. Uh, it's, it seems inevitable that there will be an infection or two. Um, I, I think that it's going to be much more of a concern before teams get into the bubble. Yeah. Because, because the bubble will be, you know, I, I'm sure some guys will venture outside of it, even though they've been given strict orders not to. But 
very few, if any, teams at this point have their teams or have their players in a bubble. So they're free to go to restaurants and go places where they might inadvertently uh, contract the virus. Uh, but I, I think that when you're when they're in Toronto and Edmonton, that it's almost inevitable that somebody will, will pick up the virus. The good thing is that it should be caught relatively quickly because there will be daily testing of, of everybody. Um, I'm certainly not going to go out on a limb and say that I'm confident that they'll be able to get all the way through the playoffs without a major hitch. But I, I think it's a better than 50-50 shot that if they can get 24 teams to Toronto and Edmonton, that they'll be able to produce a, a, a champion sometime in early October. Yeah, that's the, if, if, if the numbers can be managed, and actually this is true across the board in society, not just in this sports or sports bubble setting. Uh, if the numbers can be managed, so can the situation. Um, we saw some remarkable data out of Major League Baseball uh, all within the past 12 days about the percentage of players slash staffers who tested positive before these training camps started uh, that, that all 30 teams, including the Pirates, are participating, not in any bubble. And then what it's been since they've been participating in the camps, in which although they aren't bubbles, there are a lot more controlled settings with a lot more peer pressure and discipline and having people in your face every day telling you what you can and can't do. Uh, and the numbers really nosedived. It was a, and even though the first one was pretty good, it was a 1.8%, which was a pleasant surprise to everybody in baseball that once they, before they had arrived. The one that was released yesterday after they were in these, uh, I, I'm not going to call they're not bubbles, but after they're in their camps was a 0.2%. So it really plummeted. And again, this is baseball, which is going to be the loosest of all of them. Baseball is traveling. They're going to different ballparks. They're flying. They're using hotels. Uh, it's, a, it's a very different world than what the NHL and the NBA are doing. And it was already a, a pretty good result. Plus, let's not pretend that fleeing to Canada <laughs> isn't an optimal scenario right about now. And I'm talking, of course, about the NHL's decision. Yeah. Um, and something else to consider is that the baseball players, with all due respect, are just preparing for a regular season, whereas guys in the NHL are going directly into a chance to compete for the Stanley Cup. Uh, that would seem to provide an extra measure of uh, motivation to stay within the guidelines oh, okay. given, um, you know, and I, I can imagine that a baseball team, even with an extremely shortened season, if halfway through it, uh, they're members of a team that pretty clearly is, is not going to make it into the playoffs. Guys might be a little more tempted to put themselves in situations that have a higher risk of infection but that's why i say that i think if if the teams can just get to toronto and edmonton i think there's a pretty good chance that the vast vast majority of them will follow the rules follow the guidelines that that they're given and uh that will greatly enhance the chances of, of being able to pull this off 